I thought you were doing the beginning. No, you're doing the beginning. All oh, right. Hello and welcome to Piddling with Podling, a Walker Division podcast. Walker, women of a certain age, not fast, not stylish, just out there. So, Dime, we're back. We are back. We've been a while, isn't it? It has been a while. Tell me, why have you been gone so long? Since you've been gone. No, not that song. Oh, no, right, it's sorry. an entirely different song. Tell me, baby, when are you been gone so long? Don't know that one. The sorry. wolf is howling at my door. I can hear I a lonesome. Maybe you don't want a, a no. nice rendition of Gretchen Peters doing Mickey Newbury. No. No, I think maybe All we right. should sort of like spare our listeners our singing things, oh, especially okay. as I don't know the lyrics. And I don't even know that song you're singing. Oh dear. Anyway, honestly. so yes, so where have, have you been? Where have I been? Gosh, uh, yeah, it's been a while because I've been mainly in France. Ooh. I think the last time we did a podcast was the beginning of June and at the time I wasn't sure whether this job I was uh, due to go on was going to happen or not due to Covid restrictions and the travel restrictions getting to France. So tell looking... me, how many Covid tests have you had? <laughs> Quite a few. I definitely haven't got Covid. Oh, that's good. Not, no. uh, yeah, we, I had to have one before I went uh, and then I had to have lateral flow tests when we were out there. And we also had to have one in France on the way back, and then three when I was at home in Croatia. So you're an old hand at this stuff, then? I'm an old hand at sticking a lollipop down the back of my throat. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that will come in handy for sticking lollipops down the back of your throat. So what were you doing in France, anyway? Yeah, well... Were you actually working? Well, or was this just a vicious rumour that, that somebody spread? No, I do actually do work occasionally. Oh, that's nice. Not just sort of, like, hanging around, chatting with you, and sort of, like, yeah, having fun, basically. Yeah, it was a proper job. What, somebody paid you money and they everything? They paid me money. Oh. Over the years, I've been working for a charity called Cure Leukemia. And what do they do? <laughs> Basically, trying to cure leukemia. Oh, that's a really good thing. <laughs> we like them already. Uh, I generally do London to Paris. And years and years ago, I think probably six years ago, I did. I accidentally stumbled across an event they did, which was the, the Tour de France one day ahead. I say I stumbled across it because I was out covering the Tour de France for a weekend, <laughs> as you do, um, and basically came across them and said, uh, oh, you know, do you mind if I just tag along? And they were like, yeah, yeah, go on then. So I did. So that was six years ago. Yeah, and then the opportunity came up to join them again for, it was basically going to be last year, but of course, because things. of COVID, yeah, didn't things. really happen. And this year was like, well, oh, will we, won't we, will we, won't we? So very last minute, and yes, went ahead. So basically... I joined 18 riders and a team of staff as they tackled the Tour de France route one week ahead of the actual pros. Wow. And they did it all, the proper Tour de France route? Yeah, absolutely every single kilometre. Oh, I'm feeling tired already. It was, it's got a, I think it was probably one of the hardest ones so, I've seen. So are these guys, what are they, really keen amateurs? Are they semi-pros or what? They're all pretty keen amateurs and they're all pretty keen raising funds basically for cure leukemia because with COVID it basically impacted on their uh, fundraising and they were pretty short on funds really to, to help with the, with the research. And so the, the plan was to try and raise, well the goal was to raise over a million pounds. Wow. They had raised about 700k uh, before they actually left so it was all a fight to see whether they'd raise the extra as they were riding. So yeah, there were 18 riders, um, 17 men and one lady, and they'd all basically done some training for this, because you have to, because it's no mean undertaking, it's pretty hard work. It's not like going for a quick pot around no, the UK, were, so is it? I mean, when you, see it, when you see the race on television, the pros, because they're pros, they do this day in, day out, 
The races may take five, six hours. The climbs don't look that severe because of the foreshortening with the cameras. And of course, you know, they're all built like whippets and they can ride up these things really fast. In real life, it's not like that. Well, the drugs aren't as good. No, the drugs definitely aren't good. There was a lot of coffee consumed. Yeah, it, it, basically, these guys did an absolutely fantastic job. I mean, we started in Brittany and sort of like made our way around France, as you do. And the weather wasn't the best, but they, they got through and they did absolutely every single stage. I think the total... Don't you rustle bits of paper yeah. at me. You're always telling me not to rustle bits of paper. And there you go, rustling. Oh, I do apologise. I'm sitting here absolutely rigidly still not fiddling with anything in your rustling. Sorry, I had to rustle because I'd written ev- all the stats down because I can't remember them, to be honest. I was basically on the back of a motorbike taking ah. photos of all of this, which is great. I mean, it sounds like I had the easy option. Yeah, to a certain degree, I did, but actually riding a motorbike is actually quite hard, even if you are the pillion. Anyway, they did in total, over the 21 stages, they did 3,470 kilometres. Um, oh, me bum's hurting already. There was approximately 80 climbs. Uh, I don't know the overall ascent, ascent but it was pretty lots, tough. Lots, lots. It, it was just like lots. Yeah. I mean, the, I know you you sent me a picture of Vontu. In fact, you brought me a rock back from Vontu. Vontu's not exactly small, is it? No. Vontu was really iconic, and I was quite excited to go there until I got there. <laughs> Taking in mind I'm on a motorbike, so, you know, it's it's a little bit easier for me, but it was absolutely terrifying. It was absolutely fabulous uh, mountain, and it, you can see why it's iconic. But you get you get out of the tree line, and then suddenly it's so exposed and it's so windy. That be the von bit of the von. Oh, I get you. Yeah, that could be yeah. where it got its name from. And we stopped at the um, Tom Simpson Memorial. Um, Obvs. Obviously, we have to we have to sort of pay our respects. But it was so windy. It was so terrifying. And my poor moto pilot, who's Paul, who I work with uh, quite a lot, he. He was absolutely terrified of leaving the bike there because he thought it would just blow over. So in the end, we came up with an idea with that he would just abandon me there and I'd get picked up by, hopefully, by one of the other crew in one of the cars. We well, so. clearly have got picked up since we're in my kitchen. Yeah, but... So yeah, that's not tr- still on my phone too. <laughs> Luckily <laughs> for me. Because at the time, in, in, the, in the base of the mountain when we got there, because you do a, um, a circular trip round it, so you see it in the distance. And you'd like to do an ever-decreasing circles as you get to it. You can't see how Jules's hands... No, I'm going round and round and round. Cause it's I'm quite good. Visualising. Visualising in my head. And it was so warm. It was, it was one of the two days where we had really high temperatures. And you're thinking, oh, that's going to be so bad climbing up there. And I was thinking, great, I've got a T-shirt on. I'm going to be at the top of the hill. And I, oh, it was so cold. <laughs> it was so cold. Have you come across this concert where it gets colder as you get higher? I've noticed. I, I, well, I've never been to Vontu before, but now I know. The worst it's thing about hard. it, though, is that the riders had to do it twice. Not, not just the one. Oof. But this year they decided that um, the Tour de France would go up Vontu twice. Which, of course they did. Yeah, and they went up uh, two different ways. So they went up the relatively, in inverted commas, easy way, and then they went up the second way, it was up to um, Bedouin, and that's much harder and much deeper. So the poor riders... Yeah, they did, they did brilliantly. It it wasn't an easy day, but it was spectacular by the time you got to the top. And there were a lot of emotional guys when they got there. Well, they were. Yeah. So it was, was 6,000 foot. It was high. You, I mean, yeah. you had some great views. We don't have anything that high in this country. 
No, there were a lot. There high. are no hills that high. There were yeah. a lot of climbs. I mean, yeah. I, one of my favourite photos of that though was was some lady dressed in a sort of mini skirt and a cardigan on an electric bike just tootling up. Get in. You know, it was fabulous. I was thinking, okay, because it's such an iconic um, mountain. Everybody wants to make a pilgrimage up there um, on their bikes, and it's, it is really hard. You basically go around one corner, and you could be flying, and you turn the next corner, and then you're down to about five kilometres an hour, and that's how you crawl up there. That's so. my normal climbing space. Yeah, on mine, a good day. Mine too. Um, I was well, I say I was pleased on the motorbike, but actually, no, I, I couldn't wait to get off the mountain. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> but that's not the only climb that was terrifying either. There was another one where when we went into Andorra, and again, on the television, I watched the stage and I'm thinking, that doesn't look anything like what we climbed. <laughs> um, I mean, it was a pretty long stage anyway, so it was quite a lot of climbing. And it was the final climb that the, that the riders did going into, um, going into the finish. It was so, so steep that my motopilot, again, he was absolutely terrified and he would not stop the bike because he thought he would just drop the bike because it was just so steep. So my, I'm going along looking, going... But there's some fabulous shots here, all the hairpins, and I could just see the pictures, and he's, and he's white-knuckled, ashen-faced, going, we're not stopping, we're not stopping. What a big fat meanie, honestly. <laughs> well, the, the, the main thing being, though, when, when the Tour de France actually does it, the roads are closed, so there's no traffic coming the other way. Yeah, I suppose, so you've, you've got a bit more leeway. Yeah. So when we do it, we've got all the traffic coming, and if anything came the other way, we wouldn't have had a chance, basically, because it was so narrow, so steep. We finally got to the top of it, and I'm just in awe of the riders who actually made it to the top of that. And they all did. And in fact, um, a couple of the guys actually took the wrong turn, so didn't do the climb that day. But they went back the next day and rode it just to say they say they. Oh, that's dedicated. And that was on our rest day because out of the 21 days we were there, but two of those were rest days, and they were much needed, really much needed. Yeah, I could spot when you had a rest day because you messaged me more and, and sent random pictures of you idling about oh, i would say idling we just needed rest it it's just so it was just long days i mean they were great don't get me wrong and um, for me it was really good to be back out taking photos and capturing all the emotion and capturing all the moments of the riders as they, they as they tackled each stage and they sort of like overcome each obstacle and their achievements were amazing and in the end they did actually raise over a million pounds so that's pretty good going really isn't it which is pretty spectacular actually yeah we should just turn the paper over again, rustling, I'm just to check sure. if there's any more interesting facts about... There's one about the highest point there. I can't read your writing or your French there upside is. down. The actual, because what was the highest point, <laughs> Jules? Do what, tell us. <laughs> there were 80, 80 climbs in total for the whole 21 days. The highest point was... I can't even pronounce it. My French is... Um, um, non-existent, frankly. Pretty much. It's, it's as good as my Spanish and my... Well, uh, you can you can do bicycle speaking in both languages and that's... I can say hello, it. thank you, and uh, goodbye, and that's about it, really. So you not even order two beers. I know you don't drink beer, but everybody can order two beers. Yeah, I'm not very good. I can do it in um, Spanish. I'm telling you, my parents were once in a bar. My dad had been trained by my mom to get two beers. Deux bières, s'il vous plaît. So every so often he'd go up to the bar and order deux bières, s'il vous plaît. And then they got joined by somebody else. So my dad being my dad, offered to buy this bloke a beer. And mum's going, do you want the new phrase? No, no. I was going to go up to the bar. And it was only when the landlady caught me mum's eye and kind of memoed across and said, does he actually mean 13 beers or three? <laughs> yeah, he got tres and tres wrong. But, you know. Well, it's quite a lot. Two smart-ass folk in the family with languages is, is probably enough. 
Have you found this since climbing it? Um, no. No. No, I do apologise. So there is, <laughs> there is a highest point. Oh, the something. And it, it begins with a knee. And it wasn't one to, and it probably wasn't one I was terrified on. And I do remember going up quite a lot of climbs. And a lot of them, to be honest, were uh, in mist. Which was interesting for photographs. We also did send back quite a few amazing drone shots of hairpins and stuff. I think you had a lot of fun playing with your new drone. I must admit, I, I, it's the first time I'd taken a drone with me on, a, on an event like that. And it was amazing, just, just for the hairpins, because it went up a few climbs that looked spectacular anyway. But you could, you, but by using the drone, it just gave you that bird's eye view of it. And it would just blew my mind. It looked fantastic. They were pretty good shots. They yeah. were pretty cool. I think it was the Col de, Col de Prix, which was the one that had the really crazy hairpins that just did absolutely bonkers climb. They, they did take him up some completely, well, I thought at the time, some completely bonkers climbs. So, but then that's the Tour de France for you. Tour de France, you. France would, yeah. would, you know. But for me, it was fantastic because I got the opportunity to take some absolutely fab fabulous photos, I think, anyway. Um, They're all right. <laughs> so I was in my element, so, because technically that is my day job. I actually take photographs of oh, people riding bikes. Is that what you do? I do, oh, yeah. right. After all these years, we find out Jules actually takes pictures of people riding bikes. Yeah, when people ask me what oh. I do as a job, it's like, I'm a freelance photographer and my main... My main focus is cycling. Who knew that I'd be able to and find a for niche? three weeks, three and a half weeks, my bum did not appear on your Instagram feed. No, for a change. So that's that was amazing as well. No, so I big had, changes all around. I had lots of different bottoms appearing in my mm. Instagram feed. We had quite a few sponsors as well, which sponsored every stage, which was pretty cool. We also had a film team with us as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> if you're if you're interested in having a look at any of the photographs, or you want you fancy having a go at this yourself. Because they're doing it again okay. next year and the year after. You yeah. sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm positive. They really could do with some extra uh, women riding. They're hopefully, we're going to have about five next year. But yeah, if you want to have a look at a some of the photographs that I took, and or you want to have a look at some of the films because we had a film crew with us as well. If you go and have a look at the Tour Twenty One, that's the website, and you can check. You can see all the riders and everybody who took part. And then if you go and look out for Riding for Survival, and you can find that on NBC Sport, there's five episodes, uh, and it basically takes you through the emotions and all the riders are talking through um, the challenges that they've faced and, and why they basically took up this challenge, really. Because it, it really is not, any, it's not, it's not a holiday and it's not a walk in the park by any means. It is pretty tough going. And that was just you on the back of the motorbike. You came back broken. I did come back broken. <laughs> I, <know. Yeah. laughs> I, I mean, you know, um, yeah, to say it's not easy, and it sounds like it's dead easy. You sit on the back of a motorbike. Take a few snaps. Take here a few and snaps there. here and there. Unfortunately, you don't stay on the motorbike all the time. It's constantly on and off, constantly on and off. So I'm basically doing calf raises. I don't know. At your age. I know Ooh. ten, twenty your times. Hips. I know ten, twenty times a day. So unfortunately, towards the end of the um, end of the trip, one of my calves popped on me big time, uh, which was a bit disappointing because I I wanted the iconic sunflower shot and I didn't quite get it. And the day that we had the best sunflowers, um, I couldn't <sighs> ride the bike. I still took photos. I managed to get into a car and and find my way around. So still found a way around it all. 
Mm, uh, but it is an iconic shot, isn't it? The sunflowers. Yeah, next year, Everybody hopefully. loves a sunflower. Oh, Everybody right. loves even more a field of sunflowers. Uh, we tried, but they were late coming out because of... Because um, it's a bloody cold this year. Everything yeah. has been late. Yeah, everything was about a month Ooh. behind. So. Oh, it's been a funny season. Yeah. I don't know what state your veg is in, but mine's right behind this year. Oh, I came back and everything was sort of like in the garden was rosy, but no sunflowers. But yeah, so when we were watching the Tour de France, it actually... They, they had just started coming out for them, so of course perfect timing, but of course we were a week early, and they, the sunflowers themselves, were late. And the only day that we had fabulous sunflowers, oh, I couldn't get anywhere near them, so slightly disappointed. But anyway, <sighs> I managed to um, get back on the bike for the last day, managed to hobble back on it, and get the iconic shots of the riders coming past the um, the Arc de Triomphe and riding the Champs-Élysées, which oh, is iconic again. Basically. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So there it was nothing like that in any bike race ever anywhere no. in the world. The Art de Triomphe and the Champs Elysees, just wow. Yeah, and it's amazing because we we were working with a French company who um, helped plan the route, and also they had motorcycle outriders who helped protect the riders a little bit from the traffic, which was in it came into its element in Paris because going around the Arc de Triomphe is a nightmare. But it's amazing. I I've stood at the Arc de Triomphe watching the traffic and. Wondering how nobody dies, and they don't. It just kind of all works, and everybody actually respects cyclists. Because if that were in Britain, oh. a it would be the other way round. But if dead. that were in Britain, <laughs> you'd just be like, oh, "I'm not going round that." No, no you'd be squashed. I mean, it looks in, it looks intimidating, but it is poetry in motion. It's incredible. It is incredible the, how it all happens. There's a lot of beeping of horns, and but nobody actually crashes. But shrugging. You've got to a do a lot of Gallic shrugging. Yeah, yeah, going on there, and a lot. Yeah. Of <laughs> yeah, a lot of that. Um, but yeah, it seems to work. But I really, it's not something I'd want to ride around, to be honest. On a motorbike, yes. On a push bike, mm, maybe not. Meh. 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 No, no. So, uh, but yeah, no, it was lovely to finish there, and everybody was really emotional. And some of the riders' families came out, and uh, yeah, it was it was an awesome event. It was one of the most enjoyable events I've done for a long time, to be honest. Well, it's one of the only events you've done for a long time. It is one of the only. Events. It would say it was just really nice to be out there and um, taking photos and actually interacting with people. We had a really good company who actually organised it. A company called Andy Cook Cycling. And he brought along um, quite a few crew as well, and they were amazing. Everybody got on so well, and um, looked after the riders really well. We had a couple of ride captains as well that made sure everybody, what made sure nobody got lost, and made sure everybody got to where they needed to be, and made sure they're all riding within themselves, so nobody sort of blew their doors big time. So yeah, no, it was, it was an awesome event, and you know, and and I apologise that there were no podcasts done because of that. Um, but it wasn't just because of that though, because I came back and I was in quarantine for should have been ten days, but I got pretty bored and needed to get out of quarantine, so I bought myself out after five days. That's another story and very complicated, and I don't understand how that works. No, um, I didn't, but. I, no. Yeah, anyway, suddenly you were allowed out. So that, I was allowed out, was... and 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 we were going to do loads of podcasts, but uh, we didn't, did we? No, we did lots of other things instead. But that is another podcast. It what is. we did after you came back is an entirely different podcast because that was a we, we spent ten days down in Plymouth and it was near Plymouth and it was absolutely bonkers. It was back to back. Yeah. So while I was away, sunning myself in France, having a great time, working and earning some money. Han uh, had made a big start on the new book. Oh, the new book. I don't know yes. whether we've mentioned the new book or not yet. The Difficult Second Album. The Difficult Second Album. The, the follow-up um, uh, release that everybody is looking forward to. What will you do next? Well, it's always that trick, isn't it? It's like, do you do something in the same style as the first album? And then everybody goes, but it's the same as the first mm, album. Tricky. Or 
do you do something completely different? And everybody goes, oh, I don't like that. I prefer the first one. So are we? So this is going to be Travels with My Jam Pan then, obviously? No, oh. it's not. We haven't got a contract with Travels oh. with My Jam Pan yet. Disappointing. Not yet. No, the difficult second album is all of the trail senders and the bike parks in the UK. All of them. All of them? All of them. Well, that must be about, what, 40? No. Higher? Much higher. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was up to 68 in England last time I counted. Oh, right, and this includes Scotland and Wales. Yeah, and I haven't Ireland. counted Scotland because it's massive. So we do also including for the very first time, Narn Narn. Awesome. Because they really don't get much love, do they? No, they don't. Mm. And they have apparently got some awesome places to go riding. Okay, and so we're going to include those. So does this include us having to ride all the trail centres? We are going to ride as many of them as we can. Fabulous. So one day we will actually get fit. Or we'll die on the side of a trail centre, just going, no more, no and more. No, we're going to get fit, we're going to get fit. No, but at this point, I, we have to say thank you to Rory. Yes, we do have to say thank Upgrade, you to From Upgrade, who very kindly offered to lend us a couple of bikes, so that uh, one of them being an electric bike, <laughs> for me, maybe because I have to carry all the heavy uh, camera equipment and everything. And she's older than me as well. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm getting on a bit. But again, that's another podcast, we can talk about e-bikes. I'll just say it here now. I was quite impressed. Anyway, uh, so yeah, no thanks to Rory for helping us out with that, mainly because, I mean, yeah, it, it really helped. But again, we say we're going to talk a bit more about this, aren't we? Because we've got a lot to talk about. Because when I came back from France, Hannah had been working on a few trail centres anyway. I've been to Wales, you know. Yeah, and, and she's By been... myself? She's got a lot jumpier since I've been away, which is really weird. It's not weird. I've just had to dust off the old tech skills, and because it, it's all right pottering around bikepacking, you don't tend to have to shred too much gnar. Uh, but the trail centres is going to involve a little bit more technical riding, a little bit scarier stuff. It involves getting your back end out a lot as well, apparently. Well, yeah, yeah. Can you whip? Yeah. So, so I've gone from six weeks of doing nothing but being sat on the back of a motorbike doing calf raises to um, uh, riding all these bike parks. So, and, and trail centres. So we'll elaborate more on that because it's been quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> She's got that look on her face again. No, it's quite, no, quite I, I really I, I really enjoyed it, but it was a bit of a baptism of fire. And it's a um, very different style of riding for us as well. We don't, yeah. we don't ever go to trail centres. We usually just kind of potter around enjoying ourselves with a, a, a no, tarp on the bike. But now I'm thinking I really need to learn how to jump just to, you know, I'm not sure I can jump the electric bike because it's a bit heavy. It's not that then. Yours isn't that heavy. That I couldn't get around corners, but then what well, I can't get... you've not been able to get around the corners for years. We need no, to practice that. I do I'm going to get practice. cones out in the park and make you ride around cones again. Cackling in the woods again. Mm. Yeah, we'll frighten up all our friends again. Do we have any friends? No. Mm. That's why we have to talk to imaginary people via the medium of podcasting. This is why nobody comes riding with us anymore. Yeah. So we like we sit here that. doing this. Imag- fondly imagining that there's a whole bunch of people out there thinking, oh, it's a Walker Division podcast, fantastic! Well, it's not just your mother listening. No, apparently not. No. No, no we actually have some subscribers now. Fabulous. Yeah, we're going to say, big apologies for um, not getting big our fingers out of our behinds. And, um, yeah, basically, and getting this done before. But we've got quite a lot to catch up on. Um, so this is the first one for a while, and hopefully we'll do a couple of more. So thanks for listening again. This has been a Walker Division podcast brought to you by Vertebrate Publishing, Inspiring Adventure, Schwalbe Tires, 
providing rubber for all your adventures. I did ask Schwaber if they had a better line than that, but frankly they haven't. No. Uh, so we'll run with that one. Uh-huh. Uh, Outkit, go nice places, do good things. And we do. Kinesis, for awesome bikes. And 661 for protecting more out there. Yeah, because we do need protection. Trust me. Or maybe people need protection from us. It's one or the other. Anyway, till next time. Bye.